Coming up on this week's edition of Stat Pack. Are things getting spooky in Dallas? We break down Big D's epic collapse. I know that sounds familiar. Lions, Cowboys, Cowboys, epic collapse. We're going to talk about that. We also take a look at the big board from week eight, and we tell you which games will be tricks or treats according to the Intelligence Index. All that and more on Stat Pack. Welcome to this week's edition of Stat Pack, providing you with a six-pack of subjects featuring the cold, hard football facts and the stats that truly matter. Here's your host, Adam Dobrowolski. Happy Hollow Weekend, everyone. Welcome to another week of Pigskins as we take a look at the Week 9 edition of Stat Pack. I'm your host, Adam Dobrowolski, and this week, while we look to see if there's some zombies or something attacking Dallas. A very intelligent team so far this season, but it looks like their brains may starting to be a little eaten after their epic collapse in Detroit. We take a look at them. We look at some other things through our big board. We talk about uh, the Green Bay Packers and their game at Minnesota. If that means that their defense is starting to trend back down or maybe they keep trending up, we take a look at some concerns for the Seahawks. A little bit better of a performance than you expect for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And some other interesting news and notes with the King of Props. Our six-pack of top teams. Of course, a look at the Intelligence Index. And our six-pack of top games from Week 9. Though let's get started with the Dallas Cowboys losing to the Detroit Lions. Zombies? Find out what stats and trends you can buy or sell as we delve into this week's Mathletics. For our first segment, we're buying or selling the Dallas Cowboys trending downwards in terms of their intelligence. Let's give you the skinny on what happened in Dallas. The Cowboys lost 31-30 against the Detroit Lions, and while all the main headlines are talking about wide receivers. Calvin Johnson, the best ever performance in terms of receiving yards for a regulation game. Flipper Anderson had just seven more yards than Calvin Johnson, but did have overtime back in 1989. And then, of course, on the flip side, everyone talking about Des Bryant. Is he a distraction or not? Well, just because he got excited and tried to help his team get a little bit more energetic after what was a flat start for the team offensively. We're not going to talk about any of that because, well, let's face it, if we're going to talk about being brain dead in Big D, well, we're not going to talk about brain dead issues. And that is, of course, trying to be a dead horse, whether a wide receiver is an asset or not, when the players are all backing Des Bryant. We're only looking at the facts here on Cold Hard Football Facts, and let's look at the facts. Dallas is allowing Detroit 623 yards. It took the second-best receiving performance ever in NFL history just for the Lions to win in the final 15 seconds, 31-30. Dallas, 268 yards, 30 points. You're looking at a Dallas bendability of 20.10 and a scoreability of 8.93. What we're looking at here is an intelligence index for the game of 11.17. It's a pretty good performance for Dallas in terms of the smarts, except for the fact that in the final three minutes, they threw the game away. And this wasn't 
really the players doing as much as I think it is the coaches doing. There's situational football you need to teach your team. There's situational football you need to know as a head coach. And none of that was implemented, whether it was mis-execution on the field or mis-execution on the sidelines. Let's go to the 333 mark left in the game. Dallas up 27-24 after a Detroit touchdown. Dallas gets the ball. What do they do? First play of the drive. They try a quick slant to Des Bryant. It draws a defensive pass interference. First down for Dallas, but the clock is stopped. It's pretty much a moot play. But for some reason, Jason Garrett, Bill Callahan, I don't know who, Tony Romo, it doesn't matter really who it is. The fact of the matter is it happened in the scary sight. This gave me nightmares more than anything else this week. Not scary movies, not fog in my home, in, in my uh, college town here. It was the fact that the Cowboys decided with three and a half minutes left to go, to go with back-to-back draw runs, trying to get a first down. First and 10, a loss of yards. Draw run again on second down, loss of yards. I mean, what are you thinking? Detroit knew it was happening. They're going to defend the run that late in the game because they know that you're going to be running the clock out and trying to draw timeouts from Detroit. But you decide to go with a draw run. That takes too much time. It allows that fast front seven of Detroit to get into the backfield quicker. I mean, basically, what happened here was the Dallas Cowboys didn't look at the cold hard football facts. If you look at the Detroit Lions team page, if you are a cold hard football facts insider, you would know what the Detroit Lions are capable in terms of their defense. And especially on that front seven, uh, you know, okay, the offensive Hagenex is 22nd, but in terms of the passing and the, the big plays, well, they're getting the job done. 15th in defensive real quarterback rating. 16th in defensive passer rating. And good numbers overall by this team. Dallas giving this team the chance to get into the backfield instead of just trying to run it down their throat. Bottom line, you go with a late or a third and long. And then the Cowboys decide to throw the ball. And Tony Romo had no choice but to throw the ball out of bounds. He took the smart play instead of trying to force a pass. So no one would complain if he turned the ball over. Dallas punts only a minute and nine seconds off the clock and only one timeout by Detroit. But don't worry, the defense that was bending quite well, they forced the Lions turnover on downs. Dallas gets the ball, a minute 24 left to go. What happens? Run, loss. Another run, another loss. Then on third down, what happens? Instead of Jason Garrett telling his players, in no way, shape, or form commit a penalty. Dallas is trying to get the first down, and Joseph Randall bounces outside. Tyron Smith trying to block his defender, holds him, and although there was good yardage to set up a nice field goal for Dan Bailey, you have a penalty that gives the Lions an extra 40 seconds. Only 22 seconds go off the clock, two timeouts, and, well, at least 40 seconds given to the Lions. That gives them the ball in a 30-24 game with a minute two left to go 80 yards. And what happens? Fourth play of the drive. A perfect pass from Matt Stafford to Chris Durham, but you're going against the cover, too. How do you allow Durham to get down the field, running a, sh- a go route, basically, down the sideline? Isn't the whole point of a cover, two to 
jam the receiver or stay in front of him when you're playing ahead and not allow him to get to the sidelines, not allow him to get out of bounds? Isn't this the whole thing you're trying to do here? No, instead, you allow a hole in the defense and you allow Durham to not only gain 40 yards, but get out of bounds. What happens on the next play? Oh, only a pass to Calvin Johnson, who has over 300 receiving yards, and he gets the ball down to the one. And again, another little small hole in the defense that Matt Stafford exploits. Great job by him. But if you're Dallas, why are you letting Calvin Johnson get behind your cornerback, Brandon Carr? I mean, isn't this how it's supposed to work when you're ahead and you have the clock on your side that you're supposed to keep guys in front of you and in bounds? And then if they come back, you say, well, we played the odds. No, Dallas doesn't play the odds. Poor situational football. And then Matt Stafford at the end, perfect situational football. You rush up. You have enough time probably for two plays. So you go with the quarterback sneak. Touchdown with 12 seconds left to go. But we're not done yet. The Cowboys weren't done yet with their dumb plays. After the Lions kickoff, what happens is a squib kick. And you have the Dallas Cowboys return man, Bosworth, Run and take five seconds off the clock instead of falling on the ball. Where's the situational football for that? So with seven seconds left to go, a quick pass with one timeout to Cole Beasley. Instead of him falling down and getting a quick timeout, he tries to lateral the ball to Joseph Randall, who wasn't even expecting the ball. A complete mental meltdown for the Dallas Cowboys. Yet, this is a team that is still third in the Intelligence Index in a league best 7-1 against the spread. So is this just a blip on the radar? Old Cowboys coming back to hurt the new Cowboys for just one game? Or is this going to be the same old Cowboys when it's all said and done? Well, looking at the mathletics of it, I go back, look at the 500 teams or worse with a plus 40-point margin halfway through the season. Dallas Cowboys, 4-4. Four and four. Overall point margin right now, plus 44. Let's go back since 1990. You have teams looking at it, a total of 19 teams. Of those 19 teams, you have nine of them make the postseason. The 2009 Green Bay Packers, 2009 New York Jets, 2009 Baltimore Ravens, 2006 Cowboys, 2006 Eagles, 2000 Broncos, 2000 Buccaneers, 99 Cowboys and 94 Packers. So you're pretty much looking at it this way. 500 team, nearly about 50% of the teams in the sample size make the playoffs. Of the teams that make the playoffs, you're looking at no record better than 11 and 5. Of the teams that miss the playoffs, you're looking at no record worse than 6 and 10. I think if we're going to buy or sell the Dallas Cowboys trending up or down, I think we're going to be wrong either way. I think the Cowboys are going to trend even, just like they have over the last two years. 8-8 eight and eight two years ago, 8-8 eight and eight last year, 4-4 four and four this year. You're looking at a team that might not necessarily be 8-8 eight and eight when it's all said and done, but they're going to be much more like an 8-8 eight and eight team than anything else. Their cap of wins, 10. Their floor for wins, 6. Have them somewhere in the middle, and that leaves the NFC East wide open, right? Well, if we actually had some other good teams in the division, you know, maybe so. I mean, the Cowboys are mediocre, but the Giants, the Redskins, the Eagles, they're still looking bad. I want to see one of those teams step up before I give them a chance. The Cowboys might just get lucky, but 
at least they're not brain-dead zombies. And that's all for your Mathletics for Week 8. Get a taste of the CHFF Insider as Adam takes a look at this week's statistical big boards. Let's turn on forward. We're looking at the big board from Week 8, and we look at a six-pack of topics from this big board. First off, the Green Bay Packers. A nice 44-31 victory against Minnesota. But there was one concern, a bottom 10 performance in terms of bendability. 7.84 yards per point allowed. Was this a blip in the radar? Well, let's consider this. Cordero Patterson has a long kickoff return for a touchdown. Yet a long defensive pass interference key in that touchdown at the end of the first half. And then you had that garbage time touchdown at the end for Minnesota. There's some things to worry about, but in terms of maybe this being a blip in the radar, I would like to say this is a little bit more of a fluke than before. What I like about this Green Bay Packers team is that they're continuing to trend up defensively, continuing to trend up in terms of the run game, keeping the ball. I don't think they're going to allow 31 points moving forward on a weekly basis, especially against teams like the Minnesota Vikings. Next topic How about those Seattle Seahawks? Should we worry about the poor job they did against the St. Louis Rams? The Rams, a 2.67 defensive hog index on Monday Night Football. Yet the Seahawks, good goal line stand. Bendability key for the Seahawks, playing smart football, 14-9 victory. I do think we need to be concerned about the Seahawks, but let's give the Rams credit here for a second. This is the best defensive hog performance of the year. How about the next best performance in a loss was the St. Louis Rams the week before in seven? A 5.33 defensive hog index in the loss at Carolina. Next topic, how about those Pittsburgh Steelers putting together the second best defensive pass rating performance of the season? 25.66. In fact, this is the best DPR performance of any loser over the last 25 weeks, dating back to the 2012 regular season. However, we should note that they had a 64.31 defensive real quarterback rating thanks to that big 93-yard touchdown by Terrell prior to start the game off. That is only 66th in the NFL this season. And in fact, there were 10 better losers so far this season. And that is why, my friends, real quarterback rating might be more important than passer rating because of stuff like that. Teams with a sub-50 defensive real quarterback rating are 34-2. and And although the Steelers had a sub-30 defensive passer rating, they did not have a sub-50 defensive real quarterback rating. And, well, they ended up losing. Next topic, how about this? Some blowouts in terms of the passing differential and passer rating. Three of the top five performances in passer rating differential this past week. The number one performance was Seattle. Somehow by the really just the the absolute skin of their teeth winning. Well, you can thank the plus 80.83 defensive pass rating. Seattle, they just, or sorry, Cincinnati, they just dominated the New York Jets 49-9. They had a plus 74.51 pass rating differential. And then the New Orleans Saints, not a huge blowout, not a close win. It was just a solid 35-17 win at home against the Bills. A plus 74.12 pass rating differential. And a much better performance, I think, by the Saints defensively than some of the things I was worried about them 
in the previous week or two uh, in terms of their games. Next up, how about the San Francisco 49ers with the best offensive hog index performance this season? And it was a dominant one. London got to see those hogs dominate the Jaguars 2.00, by and far the best of the year. The next best was 4.67. And then finally, we already mentioned the Bengals taking down the Jets 49-9. Well, how great was this performance? We've been tracking on our big board since week four. The overall quality stats, power rankings from each game, and the Bengals have the third best performance since week four, and it was the best of week eight. And there is your big board for week eight. Need help with your prop bets? Adam gives you an inside scoop by review in this week's bets from the King of Props. Next up, we take a look at our King of Props, and well, unfortunately, a losing weekend for him this past week, but we got to break it down and tell you where you can't really be discouraged by a one in three week. You still need to be a CHFF insider. So if you decide to go with the weekly package, why not do it for the full season? $99 for the full season. It'll help you to get that big money. You're going to get the money back. Don't worry. All you have to do is become a cold, hard football facts insider. But still, if you're on the fence, well, you can check it out as a weekly insider for $9.95. And, well, let's just say what happened this past week and what things may be fixed. Maybe it's just the luck that needs to be fixed. Two of the losses for our king of props came with him choosing the over for number one receiver of four and a half receptions. Thursday night football, Steve Smith. He goes with the over four and a half receptions. Steve Smith ends up getting four receptions. And what would you know? The same thing would happen with Larry Fitzgerald for the Cardinals against Atlanta. And, well, I think you can just pretty much blame the rest of the team for doing such a good job. The Panthers winning 31-13 against the Buccaneers. The Cardinals probably actually winning better than what the score would indicate against the Atlanta Falcons. Well, pretty much by the end, they just had to run out the clock. It wasn't a close game. I thought especially for the Arizona-Atlanta game, that game was going to be closer. But it didn't end up being that way. And the receivers didn't get more targets late in the game to get the over. Instead, it was the under. But the other two performances were rushing performances. Colin Kaepernick took the over for 39.5 yards. And, well, he dominated as of those offensive hogs against the Jaguars, 54 rushing yards and a few touchdowns. And then the over for Beast Mode, 92.5 yards. But as mentioned, uh, Seattle struggled with their offensive line. The Rams controlled the ball for most of the game. Only eight carries for Beast Mode. I don't think he's going to get the over there. Uh, That was uh, an unfortunate circumstance of the game and not a flow of the game that people were expecting. But, again, check it out now at play for the Thursday night game. Tight end Charles Clay. And, hey, who knows? You might have a prop you never even thought about that you can win money in and get that money back. There is your King of Props review. Which players or teams are striving as the season churns on? Let's find out with the six-pack of top performers for this week. Well, next up, we look at our six-pack of top teams. And, well, since we're eight weeks through, we're going to do things a little bit different here. I'm not looking at... My top six teams as of right now, I'm looking at what I think right now 
are the six most balanced teams. And why? Well, halfway through the season, this is usually when you have your midseason evaluations. You say, well, let me adjust my preseason predictions. Who do I think right now is a clubhouse leader for the postseason? This and that. Well, if we're going to look at the postseason, what I value the most is balance. Just think about the past few champions. The Ravens last year. They had the defense step up with Ray Lewis retiring. They wanted to play big for him. And then Joe Flacco offensively had one of the best postseasons ever. I'd probably only put the 88-89 playoff runs by Joe Montana higher in terms of quarterback performances in a playoff run. The 2011 Giants, even the 2007 Giants, didn't look good in the regular season, but their defensive lines got hot in those respective playoff runs, and Eli Manning got the job done in the fourth quarter. The 2010 Packers won with balance, and, well, with not so much of a coincidence, as soon as they tried to become a superpower offense with no balance, it's all passing, no run, and then no defense, well, they would end up losing their first playoff game against the much more balanced Giants, despite being 15-1 and at home. And then last year, they got kaepernick by a much more balanced team in the 49ers. So you look at some of those teams, the 9 Saints, they've struggled. They've actually only had two playoff wins outside of their Super Bowl run. Have the Saints with Drew Brees and Sean Payton. They get three in that playoff run because they had their best defense in that span a defense that knew how to create a lot of turnovers. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2008, you had Ben Roethlisberger have a strong season offensively. The defense was the best in the league. And that's exactly why we look at the quality stats and have power rankings. So let's look at our top six. It's not going to coincide with the power rankings. Again, I'm looking at balance right now, offense and defense. This means, yes, I exclude the Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs right now. I want to see more. I'm being a little bit tough on these teams. I want to see the Chiefs and what they'll do when their defense doesn't allow 17 points or fewer. First team ever in the live ball era. Eight games in a row to start the season. 17 points or fewer allowed. Got to give them credit for that. But their offense hasn't thrived yet in the game or taken over a game just yet. Flip side. For the Denver Broncos. Haven't seen it yet from their defense. So we go 6-1 to one, starting things off for the San Francisco 49ers. They're 6th uh, sixth, in the quality stats power rankings. Top 10 in 12 quality stats. And you look at this split passing wise. 7, 14, and 13 in terms of real passing yards per attempt. Real quarterback rating and offensive pass rating. I don't put them higher though. Because you look at their 5 game winning streak. And it's come against some weak teams, teams like the Rams, the Titans, just in their first game with Jake Locker back, the Texans, the Jaguars. I need to see it against a quality team and see that dominance continue before I put them higher. Number five, the Green Bay Packers, as I mentioned, they're a team trending upward. They were in the bottom, really the bottom four in terms of passing defense after their bye, one and two. But since then, they're starting to trend upward. 20, 24, and 26 defensive real passing yards per attempt. Defensive real quarterback rating, defensive passer rating. Their running game is getting better. They're now number one in the offensive hog index. 12th in offensive rusher rating. Eddie Lacy getting better as a rookie. Those things are trending upward. I expect them to get better as the season progresses but overall the Packers still are top 10 and 13 stats top 5 and 6 stats 
Number four, the Indianapolis Colts. Fifth in the quality stats power rankings. Top 10 and 15 different quality stats. Top five and seven quality stats. They are second in the intelligence index. Second in the relativity index. And oh, by the way, they have three quality wins against teams that have a combined 20 and four record. Number three, those New Orleans Saints. And I know they're number two in the quality stats power rankings. And you're putting them number three. Well, I'll tell you in a second why I don't really completely buy them in terms of being as good as the stats say just yet. That's due to past history. But let's look at the good for the Saints team. They're still doing a fantastic job. Top 10 in 16 stats. Top 5 in 12 different stats. And they're number 1 in real quarterback rating differential. That's probably your biggest stat that you need to look at. But I think that they're going to trend downward. You look at their def- uh, passing defensive splits. Ninth in defensive real passing yards per attempt. Third in defensive real quarterback rating. And fifth in defensive pass rating. Historically, Rob Ryan defenses have not done this well. And they've had times where they were looking this well early in the season, whether it's through a quarter of the season or a half of the season. But you look at his past few years in Dallas, and that started to trend downward in the second half of the season. I need to see a little bit more before I trust him just yet to put them in the top two. My top two, well, number two, the Cincinnati Bengals, a red-hot team. I have my questions about Andy Dalton. He's yet to win a playoff game, but you look at a team that might be seventh in the quality stats power rankings, but they're top 10 in 15 different stats, top five and four, and they're top 10 on both sides of the ball in all passing stats indicators, including fourth and pass rating differential and seventh and real quarterback rating differential. They're only 22nd, though, in the defensive hog index, and I think that's going to trend upward. I mean, you have Geno Atkins, you have Domata Pecco, you have Michael Johnson, you have Carlos Dunlap. That's a very good front seven that can get after the quarterback, and I think that's going to get better as the season progresses. But if we're talking about the front seven and teams that are only getting deeper, How about number one, the Seattle Seahawks? I know the struggles with the offensive hogs are now 26th in the offensive hog index. They're only 17th in offensive rusher rating. But I'll let that pass because I've seen other teams that have struggled with the offensive line. And if they have a quarterback that can still get the job done despite that, they're fine. That happened with the Packers in 2010. happened with the Steelers in 2008. I think it can happen with the 2013 Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson, especially when the Seahawks are first in defensive real passing yards per attempt, defensive real quarterback rating, defensive pass rating, and pass rating differential. And, oh, by the way, third in uh, the real quarterback rating differential. The Seahawks are top 10 in 18 different stats and top 5 in 11 different stats. They are, in my opinion, the most balanced team and. Right now, if I had to pick anything halfway through the season, I'm probably going Seattle-Cincinnati in terms of Super Bowl, albeit there might be one team that spoils it or uses one of their uh, sides of the football to really dominate, whether it's the Broncos and their offense, the Chiefs and their defense, we'll see. But right now, that's how I like it. And we move on now to the Intelligence Index, looking ahead to Week 9. Now let's look ahead to see which teams are the best and worst bets. 
for this upcoming week with a preview from the Intelligence Index. Well, we have to find out what matchups you can trick or treat for this upcoming week. And, well, to be honest, there's really a lot of stale candies going out there. Not many good games. The ones that have a team that's very smart against a team that's very dumb, it's going to be domination. There's going to be a lot of bullying and mischief. I mean, wasn't that supposed to be October 30th? That's mischief night, but I guess not. I guess there's going to be a mischief day in week nine, but we do have a few traits to look at, two in particular that I like. Cincinnati, Miami, the Bengals. Uh, intelligence index of plus 2.91. The Dolphins, an intelligence index of plus 0.56. I know the Dolphins are trending down heading into this Thursday night game, but I think they're a team that is solid all around. And how about the Bears at the Packers? The Monday night football game, the Bears, plus 1.21 in the intelligence index. The Packers, plus, one, uh, plus 0.18. This could be a solid game overall. And especially when you have that rivalry, uh, it'll be a good one. Let's wrap, wrap things up, though. Let's avoid uh, the trick. Stay away from Eagles, Raiders, both teams, negative two or worse in the intelligence index. Unless you like train wrecks, then that's a treat. We move forward, close out the show now with our top games for week nine. Let's wrap the program with what's best for the week ahead. It's the six-pack of top games for this coming week. Again, these middle weeks seeming to be a bit meager. Week 8 didn't have many memorable games outside of the Dallas-Detroit game. Well, we're not even going to be saved by one such game this week. Eight of the 13 games have a power rankings differential of 15 spots or more, according to our quality stats. So we have to include one of those huge mismatches for our top six. We'll put it at number six, Pittsburgh at New England. The Steelers are ranked 25th. The Patriots ranked 10th. We see a common theme is, well, unfortunately, we continue number five, Tennessee at St. Louis. The Titans ranked 14th. The Rams ranked 28th. Oh, it doesn't get much better because number four, I already mentioned this team as, or this matchup as a big trick in dumb football. That's the Philadelphia Eagles at the Oakland Raiders, 20 at 18 in terms of the quality stats, power rankings. Not getting much better for week three. Baltimore at Cleveland, number 16 at number 19. At least it's a good rivalry, but Jason Campbell, Joe Flacco, not exactly a quarterback matchup that gets me all that excited. Number two, I'm looking at Chargers at Redskins, 15 at 26. This one might be close because the Chargers are on the road in early game, but they did have the bye week, so they should be pretty fine with that. And then number one, we have Bears at Packers, but no Jay Cutler. You have Josh McCown at Aaron Rodgers. It is 13 at 9 in terms of the quality stats power rankings, but I'm still not really a huge fan as I would be if it was Cutler against Rodgers. Unfortunately, that's your top six games of the week. Maybe, just maybe, we can look at it positively and say that this only will make the matchups better later on because you're saving some of the bad matchups for the meager weeks. But that just about does it here for this week of Stat Pack. Have yourself, once again, a good hollow weekend, everybody.